Welcome everybody to Common Sense Christianity. As always, I am your host, Ethan Foster, here today with another episode, and this episode is sponsored by Nobody. You know why? Because we do not have enough listeners yet. So if you have not already, subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review and spread the word to your friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, whoever wants to learn about Christianity and topics regarding religion. And I know you guys are probably getting tired of me discussing evolution, but I love the theory so much that we're going to do one more episode on it. And I'm going to give you a couple proofs or reasons for why I choose to accept evolution. So one of the... One of the main proofs for evolution, probably the best proof, is the discovery of DNA. So one of those remarkable things on, about on the origin of species is that Charles Darwin articulated his theory without knowing the exact mechanism by which variation occurs. It wouldn't be until Watson and Crick's discovery of DNA in the 1950s that evolutionary biologists would finally have the answer. The advent of genetics is the single most important thing to happen to the study of evolutionary biology since Darwin's theory first appeared. With a respectful tip of that hat to Gregor Mendel and his discovery of the fundamental laws of inheritance. Because DNA is universal to all life, its presence strongly suggests that all creatures on Earth evolved from a common ancestor. It also explains how the proliferation of genetic mutations combined with the process of natural selection enables evolution to happen. Ultimately, DNA is the engine that drives evolution. It's an elegant, sometimes brutal process that doesn't require a guiding hand. Natural selection is wholly autonomous process, thus earning it the mole, the moleiker of God killer. Now, I disagree with this article in a bit, so let, let's see what this is from. It's from Gizmodo, or whatever it do, it doesn't matter so i i'm sitting here reading this and i can agree with some of it and and obviously i disagree with a whole bunch of it so it it calls evolution the god killer now i was having this discussion with uh my language arts teacher today about evolution he doesn't necessarily think evolution is possible i think it is but see the problem is is that without a creator, then evolution most likely wouldn't happen. Because mutations are purely random. I know atheists hate that word random. They get mad every time a Christian brings up uh, a random processes. But without guidance, everything is random. It may be it's sort of an organized type of random, but it is still random. So, it, with, with that being said, there is a problem here. So, if it's just random mutations, then there's no guarantee that that mutation will be necessarily beneficial or uh, or unbeneficial or negative, I should say. So uh, that's the biggest problem that I have with an unguided evolutionary process. And also there's no evidence of it. There's evidence of an evolutionary process taking place. So like I said, DNA and the similarities. I was listening to Richard Dawkins explain to, uh, what was her name? Wendy Wright, uh, this creationist. I don't know her background information, but there, she was, he was interviewing Wendy Wright and said this to her. So he, he was basically talking about how, uh, how we share uh, most of the DNA with 
a chimpanzee and a little less with a monkey and a little less with a rat and so on and so forth, which makes a lot of sense. And when I brought this up to my mom, who is very skeptical about evolution, she says that's evidence of a common designer, not a common ancestor, which I I guess can make sense. But the problem there is, is that it seems as God as if God is deluding our, us into believing that there's an evolutionary process, that there's a common ancestor, when all in all it was a common uh, creator. That seems a little deceiving to me, and it would sound kind of wrong for God to do. And it's the same thing here. So even if you can't necessarily prove evolution to be true, you can't. it is very easy to prove that the earth is... Uh, well, not necessarily the Earth, but the universe is a few billion years old so because of the light years. I've made this point time and time again on this podcast. When you take the light years and measure how how long it would take the light year, the light to reach planet Earth, it, it takes a, that amount of time, right? So the oldest light we have here in the universe has, is 13.8 billion years it took from that light to get all the way here so that shows that the earth is well the universe i should say is very very old and it's a lot it's kind of deceiving for if god were to change the speed of a light of light all of a sudden now maybe just maybe light is um not a set speed but it was faster uh earlier in time and then has been slowing down. But then again, that sounds more like God is deceiving us. That seem that seems like he's tricking us. So I I have many problems with that. So I'm going to take uh the evidence that I can see and observe and apply that to what I can see and observe that's left here on earth. And so Christians including me have brought up the problem of no transitional fossils. So but this article um is saying here Species come and go, but life goes on. This is the essential lesson of the extensive fossil record. When that takes back 3.8 billion years, which, let me intervene here, you can't know for sure. When scientists throw out these random numbers and cite carbon-14 as a reasoning, it, you cannot be exactly sure the exact point of time. All you can tell is that this species came before. I think that trilobites came before fish did, which is true, right? But I do not know if that trilobite is 25 million years old or 500 million years old. It's hard to know. So let's continue the article. What's more, it's a chain of continually... uh, Skip that word. Used by evolutionary biologists to study, study the various interconnected progressions made by species as they change over time. So called transitional fossils like the recent discovery of. Papricellis, a 240-million-year-old reptile with a set of emerging turtle-like features, provide evidence for missing links between two different species by showing some of the, tra- of the traits of both, although it isn't necessarily evidence of direct descent. Biologists use uh, each discovery or such new species to fill in evolutionary gaps. The presence of so many fossils demonstrates the ever-changing diversity of life since it first emerged. From life so every early beginnings as single-celled peri- prokaryotic cells through the Cambrian to through to the Cambrian explosion, uh, 
and the emergence of dinosaurs and mammals. It's a story of continuous adaptation. Creationists like to believe that certain evolutionary steps are untraceable, but as more and more transitional fossils are discovered, it's clear that each evolutionary advance can be explained. For example, some creationists argue that evolutionists cannot identify the missing links between reptiles and birds. A post from Scientific American offers a compelling rebuttal. Actually, paleontologists know that of many detailed examples of fossils intermediate in form between various taxonomic groups. One of the most famous fossils of all time is Archaeopteryx, which combines combines feathers and skeletal structures uh, peculiar to birds with features of dinosaurs. A flock's worth of other feathered uh, fossil species, some more avian and some less, has also been found. The sequence of fossils spans the evolution of modern horses from the tiny euphias. I hate the scientists who make up these names, but whales have had four-legged ancestors that walked on land, and creatures known as Umbliocetus and Rodhocetus helped us to make that transition. Fossil seashells trace the evolution of various mollusks through millions of years. Perhaps 20 or more hominoids, not all of them are ancestors, fill the gap between Lucy and the Australopithecine and modern humans. Indeed, uh, for you know what, let's just stop there and just break down this for for uh, a little bit. I'm sorry that it took so long to read. I, I underestimated how long that would take. So, uh, they, they make some good points here. So, there are transitional fossils. Yes, are, there is not as many as you would expect. But there, they are there. And they show the gaps that creationists have been attempting to point out in the fossil record. So, uh, I, I think that was a very good uh, breakdown of it. Now, I do, again, disagree with the notion that God is not required to guide these processes. Because, again, as I said earlier in this episode, mutations can mostly generate bad things and not always good things. And it says too randomized to be able to create such a diverse... Um, group of species. It's too randomized. I mean, you you cannot just say genetic genetic mutation and adaptations create whole new species. Like, for example, uh, when I was having that conversation with my language arts teacher, there were many other people involved, and they were saying how they think it's crazy that we evolved from fish, which is another evolutionary concept. Which, when you break it down, it makes a lot of sense. But you cannot just say that. Over, let's see, the first fish appeared around 530 million years ago. You cannot just say that that eventually became a human. And it led to amphibians, which led to reptiles, which led to animals. I mean, mammals. Uh, excuse, pardon me. And that, that just not, does, doesn't make sense. It is because atheists and scientists try and find explanations that do not require God. They're so desperate to ignore the evidence for God 
and to show that there is design and purpose in the universe. They're so desperate for that that they that they come up with these crazy assumptions uh, for how life became so beautiful and complex. Anyway, with that, I think it's a good time to close. We we might do a part. Uh, what what is this part four? Of is evolution true? Yeah, it, it is. It's it's part four. But anyway, I hope you're enjoying the series. I like I always say, I sure am enjoying this evolutionary series. Uh, thanks for joining me on my journey into the controversial world of evolution. And until next time, this is Common Sense Christianity. Oh, and before I forget, contact us at Common Sense Christianity Podcast at gmail dot com, and make sure you share this with your friends, family, and whoever. Uh, is interested in religion and Christian issues. Let's just leave it at that. And until next time, this is Ethan Foster with Common Sense Christianity. You just listened to an episode of Common Sense Christianity. I'm your host, Ethan Foster, as always. And we love doing this for you guys. Please share the podcast with your friends and family if you like it. And frankly, even if you don't, uh, subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review so that more people can hear the word of God. And until next time, God bless you.